John Summers is the motoring historian. He was a company car thrashing technology sales rep that turned into a fairly inept sports bike rider. Hailing from California, he collects cars and bikes built with plenty of cheap and fast and not much reliable. On his show, he gets together with various co-hosts to talk about new and old cars, driving, motorbikes, motor racing, and motoring travel. Good day, good morning, good afternoon. Um, welcome to The Motoring Historian with uh, John Summers and Mike Gammy. Um, Mark, it's episode eight. Man. Popular demand keeps us coming back, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it does, it does. I, I a needy viewer or listener or whatever it is. Well, I, I, uh, I, I confess it's been a month or so since I last looked at the stats, but 112 episodes have been downloaded the last time i looked probably a hundred of them's me testing but there's still 12 <laughs> there that is uh yeah yeah um all right well moving on to our structured talk track because we are organized producers yeah. yeah yeah and we're also but we also don't pretend like there's not a talk track like so many of these other podcasters do because you know when the microphone's in the room the story that you tell is different isn't it um uh we texted didn't we about goodwood um let's just talk a little bit about the experience that you had this last weekend um, because you and I went to the revive, went to the festival. Is it the one where it's up his driveway? And and that's festival speed. That, yeah. that is a good event, but that is not on the same page as the full on balls out racing on the track, just like it was in the nineteen sixties, and the full everybody dressed up to get in the paddock um i i remember i went to the first couple of those kind of meetings in the early 2000s before i moved um awesome motoring events yeah oh man yeah yeah i saw an ad one of the things they sent out um an email a couple of days before said something about it um as the sort of the best motoring meeting in the world and um, I mentioned that to my boss, who's Canadian, and his son's a sports journalist, mainly covering hockey because he's Canadian, uh, ice hockey rather, um, but some other sports as well. And he's into his cars and his sim racing and stuff. And he said, that's a very American thing to say, to sort of brag, but it's the best of the world. And I said, yeah, that is right. A bit like the Super Bowl being the world championship for one country. But nonetheless, you know, they are the best of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's... I, it's the members meeting, not the revival. So with no one's in period dress, but that's, and there's less people there, but the racing is the racing and you go for, you know, you go, for, it's, it's so cool. I mean, you can go there and see the cars being thrashed around um, and then wander, you know, wander under the tunnel and into the pits and see those cars that were just thrashed around, ticking themselves cool with the people still driving around and putting, you know, tires on them and things like that. And you can just walk right up, you know, you, know, you could see them go out onto the track and everything. So, um, it's it, after the spending the day there, it is difficult to argue. I can't, I couldn't, I was trying to think of it the other way around. What would I rather, if I could have go to any other meeting, would I prefer to go to any other meeting, any other days racing? And no, 
I wouldn't. I mean, the members meeting is the best. It's it, it, for me, you know, specifically, you know, for what I'm looking for for racing, which is beautiful cars and old cars and interesting cars thrashed about properly with proper competitive racing with, with, with a sort of gentlemanly spirit to it. So it's, you know, there the are hardly any crashes. You know, there's a bit of crashes from oversteering or exuberant driving, but there's there's no real sort of banging of fenders and things like that between them. They're, they're shoving it up the inside when there's a, you know, cigarette papers gap and things like that still. But uh, very little, it all done with a sort of, you know, handshake afterwards kind of, you know, classic sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it is difficult to argue. It, it is the best. Um, and we, we had a great day full stop. I mean, we went. Uh, my wife's waiting for another operation. She's got limited mobility at the moment, so you know that'll give her a new lease of life. But so we're game. We're strolling in from the car park in the morning, and the little two of the horn as I look in, uh, as Angie's getting a stick out of the uh, the back seat, um, and it's an old lady. Oh, well, just an old lady, a, a, a mature lady in uh, a an Aston Martin Sportage, leaning out the window, so with Goodwood Mobility Team written on the side, saying, "Would you like a lift?" So, oh, well, thanks very much. So. Spare us the, I don't know, 800 yard walk or something in, which for my wife at the moment is a bit of a, she's doing it, it's a bit of a struggle, but she wouldn't miss it for the world. Um, and just whisked in, dropped inside, separate entrance. There you go, sir. Certainly, sir, can I scan your little, your little, because of course there's no ticket. The, the, the ticket is the little enamel metal badge on a little, um, on a, a little piece of, a bit of a cord. And on the back, they've got the little uh, the, the little code that you, they just scan you in. So you've got a nice little memento afterwards, nothing so a, um, a faux as, a, as an actual piece of paper. I don't, don't need to bother with that. Um, but yeah, so it, it was amazing. And I mean, so the racing was spectacular. Um, uh, so when I went to, uh, when I, you know, I was a docent at the Black Hawk, well, I guess a slammer docent at the, at the Black Hawk Museum, but certainly years ago, we used to have a, a director, Tim McGray, english bloke um and he uh would because he was well connected would uh, he did like this speaker series and it was people like howden ganley who like raced formula one and can-am or vic elford or we had brian redmond so all guys from kind of tim's era and a lot of them englishmen who lived in america because tim's an englishman who lives who lives in america he does the m1 concourse now i'll do a uh for anybody listening it's worth looking at that concourse. anything tim does is is really cool and not for nothing like me his first car was a cortina his was a 1600e i think it was a somewhat newer than uh than mine was mine were 10 years old when and i had them so uh but yeah and it, i the old um uh tin when we had these speakers would always say to them if you could do he had these questions if you cannonball right if you were going to drive across america what would you drive would you cannonball would you just cruise and everybody was like cruise and had different ideas about what they'd want to cruise in Another question was any event that you could go to anywhere in the world, any point in time, what would it be? And I reckon probably half the time people were like Goodwood Revival. Yeah, I mean, it, I like the members. I see why you like the members meeting, though, because it's like, you know, you don't have to bother with the dressing up. It's just there with the motor racing. So you can just go along and just be you. 
and be immersed in a world. And, and, you know, for me, right, when I think about what's special about Goodwood, it's what's special about Vintage Sports Car Club events as well. I'm not saying there aren't events like this in, in America. I feel, you know, Bonneville's like this, this, this where you can walk right up to the cars, where you can see the cars really closely and where fundamentally, if you wanted to be a butt monkey, steal tools, get in guys' way, ask the driver dickheaded questions. You could do all those things, but there's a culture there that you don't do that. And, and yeah, the, the events are, are, are awesome uh, because of it. Um, yeah. I, so I talked about the, um, just a bit of sort of a soft stuff around the outside. It was just a beautifully good, a very good wood thing to have happen just to be extra chauffeured in because your wife's struggling a bit. Yeah, and you know that it's not just any old car it's an aston martin because it's goodwood of course so, what is know, the sportage I it's a sort of a suv clear. it's aston's suv oh, really? that's what it's like to me yeah um i think i mean nice enough <laughs> i mean i mean it's in the back of I mean, it for about like, five minutes so old old johnny smith i had he had a tweet this week that was like uh about the hurricane about how he, not the hurricane the urus the anus he was like, I couldn't have an anus in my life. He was like hating on the anus, right? And, and you know, there's been general hating on big SUVs because BMW have done this like 785 horsepower or 738 foot-pounds or so, some bonkers, stupid, Rivian-eating SUV, right? Um, I, you know, well, you know, I, I'm disappointed by BMW's direction as well, I'm just going to say. But, you know, this is... a, a a separate um point where were we where was i going before i got distracted by the rivians and we were talking about oh, being the, aston, in the, aston. the kia the aston martin kia sportage um sportage 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 shooting brake um, yeah. look all of these things they're bollocks until you lean on them and then when you lean on them you're like geez this thing does it all like it's easy to hate a cayenne when like it's like you're in your cheap mondeo looking at some soccer person in their you know suv in it in traffic and you're thinking what do you need your cayenne turbo with its 550 horsepower for that no right what you need the cayenne turbo for is those i guess it was uh the the guy was uh he ran a green hedge fund when you could make money doing it long time ago met him at a party colleague like partner of a colleague of my wife's um he said to me he'd had three cayenne turbos in a row because there was nothing else that fitted in his parking garage had credibility at the country club and could get to tahoe and could like climb a hill that's what he said he can it can accelerate uphill at tahoe which is like in a low pressure environment where like the big V8s aren't that good in the snow. It's a monster and that kind of guy, you know, but for every one of those, you know, for every one bloke like that, there's a million of them that are Chelsea tractors. And, yeah. and you know, so maybe, maybe the answer is it ain't the shoe. It's how it's worn. Right, that's that. As, as a spec, yeah. And is it the right shoe for that foot, et cetera, for on the journeys that foot's taking. But 
I mean, but uh, back to the racing. I mean, the racing was amazing. I mean, they, we, we watched, we were there on the Sunday. Um, you, get, you do obviously the Friday, the Saturday on the Sunday. Saturday's a couple of races, but it's largely qualifying. And some of the races are two part races with Saturday 40 minutes and then Sunday 40 minutes. And it's often gentleman driver and professional driver with a pit stop of, you know, uh, in between, in the one race and stuff. So, but yeah, the Moss Trophy standout moment for that cracking race. Uh, E-types and AC Cobras with the Cobra triumphing in the end, but um, there, I can't remember if it was that one or if it was the, is the previous one, but the previous race. But there was a DB4 coming along the Lavent straight at one point, and its front left tire exploded, um, completely carcass gone down onto the rim, piercing sparks everywhere, and it's coming towards us. I'm thinking he's not backing off really. I'm mean, like going to wonder if he's going to spin. He's like, that that's the deal. Maybe he's worried about that. No, it didn't appear that way. And he just carried on in the gas, largely letting off. People were coming past him, but keeping to one side. And then sort of wove across the grass of it onto the tarmac in front of the stand outside Woodcut that we were watching on the outside of the corner on the left. And then just drifted it past us on three into the marshals piece behind the tire wall. No problem. Five seconds of yellow flags, no stopped racing. Big round of applause from the crowd as the guy gets out and waves to the, waves to the, to the stands. Um, but the best race, if you want to watch one was, well, for me, the one that I saw that I really enjoyed the most was, where is this? Um, the edge, the SF edge trophy, which was. Tellwin Francis edge. Yeah. It was a hard battle between a sunbeam Indianapolis and a Dirac 200 horsepower. And it, I mean, to say it went to the wire is understating it um it was decided after the chicane on the last lap wow um by naught point it was less it was like half a second or it was less than half a second it was like 0.06 or something stupid um but yeah really, I, mean, I won't spoil it if you're gonna it's it's on youtube at the moment i mean and uh from what i recollect and i might be wrong about this good would do all the races or highlights of all the races for about a month or so afterwards and then they disappear off youtube again um because I know I can get access to them through the members thing on the webpage, and I can one of the privileges you can watch the the, the all the full on boards and everything from um, previous years, and so so I watch it where you can is what I would say. You know, get on there and watch them because there's there's some corking stuff. You just go to the GRRC page on YouTube, and it's all there. Um, but well yeah. worth it. All. Well, I'll post the links even though they'll go dead for the uh, for those avid. Well, the GRRC page will remain. It's just some of the they they sort of trim out some of the full races after a while. It, it seemed to me. Yeah. No, that happened to me. I'd intended to go back and watch a live stream one time and only to find it had been taken down. And at the time I was like, oh, but then you realize, well, you know, it's that this, this will be a, a classic thing to charge for down the line. And it makes sense to to do that. And, you know, you've got to find a way to finance what you what you're doing. Um, yeah, the gentlemanly racing thing is is, I think, a feature of Goodwood and, and a feature of the way that motorsport used to be due to the lack of safety right that mm. that you you really made a point of showing respect for other people i think as a as a safety point and i think this is why people like sterling moss had such a hard time with guys like farina because farina raced in a way that didn't really have much respect for uh for, for the other people that you were against um edge sf edge really a bloke worth reading the wikipedia on the next time you're enthroned it's it's that kind of thing an early uh, early british motoring pioneer 
um there's a, a amazing book that i read when you could buy a copy for 20 pounds which you can't anymore sadly called 10 years of motors and motor racing published in 1905 and it's by a guy could just stop and think about that 10 years of motors and motor racing published in 1905 and it begins by saying how sad the writer Jarrett is that the early pioneering days are gone and basically the early pioneering days was when he and his buddy edge basic who were cycle racers basically could get these engines on their bikes as well so then you could ride the bike down the hill at high speed and then run it up the hill on the other side maybe pedaling maybe leaping off and pushing and and then you know when at night when you had tank punctures and things like that you might not arrive at you know the publican's house until two o'clock in the morning and then he rejects you because the horses don't like the smell of motorcycles that kind of it's full of those kind of pioneer ad adventures edge was was that guy i believe you talk about uh the uh, a Dirac 200 horsepower i think it's the i think i think there's only one <laughs> maybe I think it was a land speed record car. Oh yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it's it's isn't it? It's like a twenty-six liter V eight or something. Yeah, um, it's yeah. nineteen oh six, I think. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the the Indianapolis Sunbeam was significantly a significantly later car. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. This was it was the earliest car in the field. It's got he used one gear the whole lap. Yeah, yeah, but the thing has a plane engine, doesn't it? Yeah. So it has that whole whole bunch of talk yeah yeah, yeah. Talk we should find video of of that if people aren't familiar with the 200 horsepower the, the rack it's uh it, it's really a, a a thing so i i have a you you well know mark i have a total soft spot for those early aero engine kind of i mean of, the beast from Turin is in the same race every year yeah like in about eighth yeah. i think yeah so this i i believe i met a bloke in a pub many years ago who was building that car i believe it's uh it was a car that wasn't built and he got the plans for it and then found in a museum in italy an engine and then from then on it just turned into this uh, uh crazy uh you know thing that that project that was that was was completed um yeah so my dream of the aero engine racing car that i had years ago at home in england i feel it is actually coming to fruition and and the reason that i say that is is i now have the shell of of this gas dragster the mercury and um, which as you know i've had for a decade or so but you know it's it's there that that's the shell i've had the back axle it's a state correct 70 bronco rear axle i have that and now i have this date correct 428 that sits in this giant destroyed thunderbird at the moment ready to be liberated and uh yeah so perhaps the other update i i should have is is mark has spoken to a bloke down in el segundo who has a business building top loaders because mark is concerned that not just any four four speed top loader is going to do you have to have one that has the biggest input shaft the most number of splines and the most number of splines on the output shaft as well because otherwise he he reckons this 428 
I, I, I don't know what the what the horsepower and torque figures were like from the factory, but Mark thinks with a, a rebuild and a mild cam, with a rebuild and a mild cam, Mark thinks 500 horsepower, which, nice. you know, that's going to be plenty, isn't it, for that Mercury, which has no interior in, and for reference it's a 62 meteor um it's can we do it in can we take it to um speed week next year i mean next year maybe in the year in the year 25 25 you know no <laughs> I, at some point right yeah it, it's 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 potentially there um i will include a a, a link to this uh falcon which is built the way that it's going to be called the hound dog. Um, the, the meteor is going to be called position eliminated, which was the way I was fired from my last job in the Valley. They can't actually tell you you're shit at your job. You're fired. They have to say, we've eliminated your whole position. We're actually not going to do any kind of sales anymore. We've eliminated your whole position. I know you thought we were a software sales house, but we've eliminated your position as salesman. Position eliminated. The woman's name was Celia, and she is, without question, one of the most awful people I ever met in my life. I was probably an arrogant prick to her, in fairness, but you know, I'm ready to. I'm, I just confessed. I just confessed, didn't I? I just said, I may in some way have been responsible for Celia firing me. It was just possible that I might have been. Um, you said a Dolomite was pissing oil when we were texting. My dad had a Dolomite. I, you know what I remember about it? When I was a small boy, before I even moved to uh, uh, High Wycombe, um, when we lived in Gloucester, I uh, was having a fight with one of my friends and uh, Dana's walking on the ceiling, giving a sound effects. I was having a fight with one of my friends and I rolled and knocked this, I guess this dry stone wall. Either way, a piece of dry stone wall fell 20 feet onto my dad's navy blue Triumph Dolomite and put this huge dent in the roof. My dad was really peed off at me to, express it mildly i always felt bad about that i when i see a similar dent i saw a similar dent in the hood of a car just recently and it takes me right back to the guilt that i felt over uh causing damage to to this dolomite the one you saw was pissing oil at the trap yeah although if you want to see sort of handsome damage um then look no further than the uh i think they're still on at the moment at least the replay of uh the, the race with the, the Camaro versus the Jetane Capri. That got a proper front left clout, but was still expertly pedaled round at maximum velocity, um, irrespective of its cosmetic roughage. I saw a picture of it on, uh, on Twitter. And uh, obviously, when it had been parked up, instead of just taking the fender off, they just rolled the fender out over the tyre. Because the shape over the tire is perfect, but the fender's like totally wrinkled and it's lost the headlight and the, the whole uh the, the whole peak. Dude, like was... The guy that was, I mean in the Moss Trophy, a guy in a hard top E type, um, lightweight E type, um, 
it comes up the lavender straight, goes up, goes to take the guy on the inside. And then the guy didn't quite see him, so moved across a bit. So there was enough space, maybe, but he went onto the grass anyway. And he was coming away or not, so he, you know, passed it enough that he was going to be plenty past. So he, but he therefore couldn't break properly before Woodcock. Um, so he, when he got off the grass, he stamped on the brakes as hard as he could and then was, and then tried to tip it in on the line he'd need to be and to, to drift it around. And the back came around on him and he sort of double pirouetted around and then. And again, off the brakes on the grass, back on the grass, brakes on the tarmac again, and rolled up to nerve, dink against the against the tire wall, and again smashed up the back a bit, bit of a wrecky round, like from the from the from the driver's seat, back in the race. <laughs> no messing about. Racers be racers. Um, will it start? Yep. Does it drive properly? Yep. Well, I'm not even coming in. Carry on. So it's it's full of that sort of stuff, and it's um oh god, seeing the old Capris and stuff, and that nineteen Bozzy nineteen eighty two or whatever it is, that chap had a did you see that one today? He had a Muget Mugello. It's a video of um the Zach Speed Capri, the bright yellow one, the Jägermeister one, is it? I think the bright orange one. Sorry, yeah. Um, Turbo Capri being rinsed around Mugello. Right? Yeah. Sounds fabulous. But it's lovely yeah. to see. Yeah, the um, uh, Zach Speed did uh, Mark One Capris as well, but they're known for like the Mark Three, which is like a seven. It was a one point seven turbo four that made like six hundred horsepower or something. It was some. I'm not a DTM mutant kind of uh, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, um, and I mean, and look, I mean, we talked a bit about over the email about over the WhatsApps rather about um, that nine three five. The body kit on that Zach Speed Capri is similar in the sense that it is stepped out as shit from the side of the car at the bottom to create those sort of hovercraft-like skirts on the side. And boy, oh boy, does it make it look punchy. We, we really should pause and, and pay tribute to um, what DTM was conceived to be, which was this, this sort of Formula One of saloon car racing where anything goes, where... They they created something that was clo almost closer to NASCAR than our own BTCC, where even in the eighties, do you remember the you know the great the era of Cleland that the those Cavaliers were limited to eight and a half thousand RPM, you know, to keep the horsepower down, you know, so you you couldn't like there was no like building a really racy engine to give you more power. They literally you know, kept the tires narrow and the, the, the playing field very level. So tell me, before we move on from uh, from Goodwood, um, what was the best car you saw in the car park? Not in the event, when you were just walking in. You mentioned the Aston Oh, Martin. the car park? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what would you want to... Yeah. There was a gunmetal 550. I didn't look to see if it was on a stick, but if it was that. All right. Good answer. So answer me this, moving on to uh, moving on to my uh, recent couple of weeks en France. Um, when we were there 20 years ago, did they have all that traffic calming in the villages? I don't think they did. Now every village has got like flower pots or designated parking. So you have to like slow down and stop and they prioritize traffic from the other way, you know? So 
or or they do this business they do this business where instead of having like just a slow bump that you can if you hit it at the right speed it sort of isn't there they do these ones where it goes up and then it goes level and then it goes down so there's no option you have to slow down i'm not saying i want to speed through french villages i'm just saying that i feel like in an effort to make you slow down they're effective but they make driving just so much more annoying i i i also you not spent any time in paris recently you were aware that they'd done this this like 19 mile an hour 30 kilometer an hour speed limit i had heard rumor and and so my fear was that the whole place it was going to be like everyone had eaten about 15 valium well exactly exactly right not very french that was my concern i i I mean i'm all i don't want pedestrians to be injured any more than the next man you know when i recognize that there's not much to be gained and you know the green benefits are dubious but you know i i'm just saying that you know i get you know moves in the right direction and and all of that so i'm not you know objecting on principle i'm just saying that i was worried it would change the character of paris but i mean worried it seems everyone just drives just the same as they ever used to like it just the same uh, yeah. uh the periphery it's not like dodgems like rome you know where half the cars on the side of the car have smashed to smithereens but still yeah yeah rome it does take some uh rome does take some getting used to i remember when i first moved there looking at the wet cobbles with the traffic going everywhere thinking yeah don't think i needed my jigster here thinking <laughs> think it was all right to leave that leave that at home that would have been rough yeah um i so what i was struck by was uh was that um out on the periphery it was less the lowest the lower speed limit they, i'm not saying because it they lowered speed limits everywhere but the traffic did seem slower on the periphery and it seems somewhat less scary than uh than it had done before although i gave the cab driver that we took from the middle of paris out to all the airport where we picked up a rental um i gave him the biggest tip i've ever given anybody on account of the way that he just dexterously navigated traffic you know in terms of not in in terms of jumping lines where he could but not being too aggressive and in terms of when we drove past the entrance to the rental car place and as we sailed past the entrance dana did what she did to me which was oh the rental cars are over there like as much as say like what like you know i knew they were there all along what are you doing driving past them you fool i should have been driving right she did that to him and ollie had already been sick out the window of the car and he's been really nice about that so i was like you know what you know what um this might be he, 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 so at the, you know what he did he, he reversed out of departures and then you know across the chevroni bit to get into the rental car bit it was really some impressive uh rule bending that earned <laughs> an unwarranted and uh, i think probably the largest percentage tick i've ever given <laughs> like i was like really well i was that i was that um i was that impressed so we did these 24 hours of like motos 24 hours they call it but it's basically like 
So it's the Bugatti circuit at Le Mans. Mm -hmm. And you remember how before you go, you look at the pictures and so on. And then when Dayton won't moving around again, before you go to Le Mans, you look at the pictures and it's the fair and, you know, the glowing brake discs and all of that. And it's only when you get there that you realize that actually it's the motorcycles bouncing off the rev limiters endlessly and the smell of campfires and the fact that you're wet because it rained earlier and the only way you're going to stay warm is by having another beer. You remember how that's what the actual experience is, right? The motorcycles were that and some. It, it was, it was, it, it had all of the kind of people who go home you know, go, go off the track. All of those people didn't come to the motorcycles. The only people at the motorcycles were the people who'd done things like staple their two euro cup round their necks so they couldn't lose it. We saw a number of people with beer cups round their necks, the plastic ones like stapled. So they weren't going to, there was no way they had to buy another beer, but there was no way they were spending 10 euro to get the cup. They only needed to spend eight euro on that beer and yeah my word um the other thing i would say about it was we uh uh had a classic le mans experience in that we got to the hotel checked in all of that drove back out to the circuit and a hundred feet away from a roundabout like two car lengths away from a roundabout where we were going to get into the circuit and park 200 feet from there, uh, the road was closed. And and I was like, well, you should find out what's happening. And Dana's like, because she knows that means her, because I'm not going to try and speak French. And she, she, she says, well, with the French. She got out of the car, right? And came back to the car and was like, the cop's not answering any questions. He's just ignoring everybody. So like we sit there for about like, you know, half an hour. Everyone's sitting there, you know. I did set a trend. I went and took a pee in the bushes and then loads of other people did. So, you know, I did demonstrate that little bit of cultural leadership there. <laughs> putting one in. I thought putting one in for the British team there, you know, the first to piss on French countryside. Just by the just by the Porsche curves. Just the road was just that's that's exactly exactly where we were. Anyway, it opened up again. And turned out it was really quite lucky because the parking we were going to was actually one of these campsites that were full of Frenchmen with sports bikes who were just bouncing them off the rev limiters at deafening volume and setting off fireworks and generally the whole thing feeling like the set of a Mad Max movie. I mean, there's, there's really, it was like Mad Max meets like a Slayer gig when it had rained. You know, that was how, that was how it felt so i was so i and so as we basically missed the parking we're driving away from the circuit there was some street parking that just came free so i did a quick u-turn we got in there and so we got in that first so that first evening we had a little like look around walk the track got a lie of the land next morning we got up and i was like we're not sitting in that traffic again so we walked which at the time seemed like a good idea. We'd walk across Le Mans, about our stroll, 
you know, pickups and bakery. Well, I don't know how well you know Lamont, but that bit at the beginning of the Lamont movie, that beautiful town square and the cathedral and all of that, that's the old town, which is in the north. The bit to the south, that's the bit that, you know, maybe you don't like want industrial to. zones and stuff. It's like, oh, that's, that's where there's the, the, the five story apartment buildings that, that look like um, you wouldn't want to be there after dark. Yeah. Which only occurred to us as we were moving through them. Well, it didn't occur to me until we were leaving. And Dana was like, we'll get a taxi. And I was like, we're going to walk. She was like, we'll get a taxi. And I was just like, no, there's no taxis going to come. Like, what are you? The Uber wasn't going to come. Anyway, so that's, but, but, so, so that was, that was Saturday evening, more Saturday morning. We arrive at the circuit, right? And as we, it's warm up, it's already the schedule's late. Where well, warm up was meant we were, we were going to miss it, but actually the bikes were out on track there. And as we come in the entrance, we're right up on the outside of the end of the pit straight just as they like cut off to get the bike lent over for the swerve before the Dunlop bridge. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and at that moment, the fastest bike, the work Suzuki comes right up and past with like a howl out of this straight Akraprovich. And the guy leans over and Dana goes, wow, that was fast. And that's really it, right? It, it doesn't get, it, it's really that just over and over and over and over mm. again until it blasts you into absolute like oblivion. And that's why you're like, Dana was like, you're going to have beer already. I was like, well, what else are, are, are we going to do? You know, like you, you, you have to like, you know, so we ate sugary food and walk, we walked the circuit, but it was windy. Like, so it was bloody cold. Um, we were out on the back stretch, right? A section that Ollie had picked out because they weren't fast there. Because I we'd looked at the circuit before, and he was like, "Where do you think they'll be fastest?" And I picked this bit of the straights. So we were there, and he was watching them go by. And this old French bloke taps me on the shoulder and is telling me how cool Ollie is to be as enthusiastic as he was, and knowing the different riders and and all of that. So I had a a, a cool. That was uh, a vindicating uh, moment. Um, but yeah, we had like a sort of meltdown of energy about, because the race start, we were at the circuit at nine o'clock in the morning. 10 a.m. was a historic race. And uh, on the front was like, I don't know, a 999 Ducati. But next to him was this replica Schwantz s rad jixa right s rad now there were k5s in the field there were two k1s so k5s are the like you know the pinnacle analog sports bike 160 horse these were maybe 750s right not the thousands but the k1 is the one that like my first bike where the headlights wide for for people who are not up on their jixa law one headlight wide as opposed to one headlight bat wing style for the K5. The intakes at the side, the two air intakes, are the dead giveaway for the for the body style. So there were K5s, there were uh there were Ducatis, um CBRs, 
um you know like a 954 cbr we call it in america so that's like a 2002 and there was um a cbr f4 as well so i don't know what the engine capacity was there was a zx10 like my 05 zx10 there was one of those well i say like mine this one wasn't wrecked but uh uh there was a zx10 um yeah and they were to be honest pretty slow looking in comparison to the bikes that were actually uh that were actually involved in the uh in the full-on championship racing and uh like the elect the endurance world championship they call it and that's uh that's what they call the uh the series um yeah so the historic race was pretty good we were in the grandstands for the starting ceremony um people singing the 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 singing of the french national anthem was uh was a really cool moment um they run across the track to leap on the bikes before the start that kind of ruled as well um so that was fun to watch um all round uh extremely uh enjoyable um we walked the course the wind was howling cold um my family were were uh pretty uh you know uh pretty it was manfully done to survive um because my word the wind was cold and uh i guess the closer play saw us uh having walked a lap and being uh having walked a lap and being absolutely exhausted in the uh visitor center place being like what are we going to do we don't want to eat more crappy food um or drink more beer those of us that can but yeah I, so we agreed that we would go repair because i was like we just need to be somewhere like out of the noise and the cold and the others weren't too weren't really thinking clearly but i was like you know we need to and i wanted to have something left in the gas tank because i knew that we were going to have to walk back across there where it was only when we left and it and and the other two it came to the realization that there wasn't going to be any taxi or uber and that that was unrealistic and that people were doing things like sleeping in renault clios like whether they folded the back seats down and the front seats forward and were you know people were breaking out the picnic tables on the sidewalk blocking the pavement completely english word and american look at that blocking this out like people are like yeah breaking out the cheese and the ham and say uh, you know tablecloth uh, no no actually oh. not quite a lot of quite a lot of people at the strange services and i've got to say i think we may have discussed this before on a previous cast the payage services part of what you pay for on the payage is the payage services and i don't mean the payage services like that are like everywhere services like you know where there's loads of stuff and like you go in and fight to get to the carsy and all that sort of thing i mean the payage <laughs> services where there's just lose and quite a big nice woody picnic area with little like gravity drives and stuff and lots of picnics to rest areas and stuff because the friends are like well why would i need to pay for your shitty food i want to use your nice road so give me some bathrooms i don't want to mix with that i just want to go and have a nice place to relax and sit and listen to the birds all right with the cars in the background mm -hmm. and have a picnic table and mm -hmm. so they take their own food where well, i saw more than one people with a bottle of wine and a tablecloth and a nice setup and some pate and something like well you've got glorious food you know it's a nice part of the world why not just even on the side of the motorway it's pretty nice you know it's 
Well, yeah. So we, we uh, so so we had to walk back, didn't we? And then at that point, we had to walk back. Cue griping. Sorry. Cue griping from uh, small no. and large. No, everyone was too tired. And then as we moved into a fairly scuzzy area, too scared. And then as we realised that the walking route was taking us the direct route out of town, which was parallel to the railway, but meant that there was uh, probably mile and a half section where it was just a narrow walkway um, along the side of the railway track where there was no, you know, egress, right? So if anything happened, there was, you know, yeah. So, so that caused some, some fear, which was uh, imbued, which imbued further walking. But by the time we got back to the Campanile, both adults were, well, all members of the party were shattered, right? Mm, I can see why. So we sat downstairs, had pizza, and I had a beer because I was, you know, and, and we approached the topic with Ollie twice of not going back. But each time he was adamant that we should go back, right? And he'd had his cherry Coke. So he was all like ready for it. So I was like, you know what? I'm a, you're only here once. We've got to do it, right? But but this is, so here we are with an eight-year-old leaving the hotel at 20 to 11 at night to drive back out to the circuit when we have to come back to the hotel, sleep, get up the following morning, drive back to Paris, drop the rental car, and then be at the airport to fly out. And then it's he with the, the flight is at 6.30 and we're scheduled to get back to the West Coast at 8.50. And then he's going to be in school the following morning. My wife's going to just do a normal day's work that following morning. Well, not a normal day's work, a day's work after the... Anyway, that's how... After a bunch of time off, yeah, no, yeah for but, sure. But if you think of it, right, you, you, you've you got the 6.30 plus the time difference. You've got all that time on the plane. So, you know, in theory, you could be rested. In, in reality, you know, we've all been struggling with the jet lag somewhat this week. But, you know, it was... Uh, it was always uh, it was always going to be that way yeah so you get the car so the get the rental car out of this annoying stupidly small spots why are european car parks designed to be just a little bit too small for the car it's really annoying it's really annoying why not make them bigger there's so much totally unnecessary damage like you could you could reduce the number of spots by 10% and make everybody's life tons easier i i don't understand it it's it's really asinine what about the 10 percent of people who can't now park in the town yeah the, the anyway about the other thing about the car park right um no lights pitch black movement sensing go off the moment you stop moving so that's right you get out of the car to check you've parked all right in the spot and the light goes out plunging the whole floor of the car park into pitch black <laughs> i mean talk about making saving a tiny amount of power whilst inducing terror into any lone female or indeed lone individual in the building you know it is just absolutely uh... anyway so we did make our way back to the track 
And, uh, you know, by that time, right, you know, all the Frenchmen, I say Frenchmen, Englishmen as well, anybody there is hammered, right? Because you've been, it's so cold that you must have been drinking the beers all day to stay warm. Europop, they've got Europop going, like blasting volume. They've got these, like, French heavy metal bands, kind of like, you know, um, France's answer to Lincoln Park. Um, It it, is... they've got these bungee things that where you can like get in a ball and then it springs you like a hundred feet up into the air. You couldn't bloody pay me to, to get on it. it the whole, <laughs> the, the whole piece. Ollie was like, we've got to sit in the grandstands. So we sat in the grandstands and, and as they cut off, there's flames out of the exhaust pipe of, of the bike, blue flames. So that's, you know, pretty compelling. And then he was like, I was, I was sitting there thinking, how are we going to tear him away? Because a new day it could go at any time. After we've been there for about half an hour, um, I, I, how are we going to tear him away? And just at that moment, he looked at me and was like, I think I've had enough. I think we can go home and sleep now. And I mm-hmm. was like, ah, rock star. So we did. And uh, the run up to the airport was fine. And uh, all, uh, all was right with the world. Cool, man. Well, like, look, it's it's on my list to do that or the ball door or something like that. Uh, I, I want to do one of those. One evening when we were staying in uh, uh, the Loire, I was like, I, I can't take it anymore. These garages I've seen at the side of the road, I'm going to go out and look at some of them. So I, because uh, we passed two that evening, just local to where I was staying. And then there was another one that we passed where I had seen in it a, amongst other things, a Simca 1100 from the 1970s. Um, but what had caught my eye that was interesting was a Renault Safran with alloy wheels on it. And mm-hmm. it was a Monaco. And I thought it was probably a Monaco, but the Biturbo had those wheels on it didn't it and i thought wowie if ever there was a car to buy out of a french junkyard it would be a renault safran by turbo that would be a thing to uh to have anyway it wasn't a monaco it wasn't a by turbo it was a monaco and that first evening when i went out i couldn't find it anywhere i couldn't it was further away from the house and it needed another expedition later in the trip to, to find that car but in the village we were staying in there was a, a bloke who it was like buying and selling cars and he had a bunch of stuff like uh, you know few thousand euro runabouts at the front he obviously did accident repair as well but round the back it was all be it was he had a neuer classer BMW 2002 that was like rusting away three series of all ages and vintages he had um which I particularly liked a Renault 1916 valve in blue with the yellow square fog lights and the original alloy wheels he had a blue same blue um Clio it looked it looked like it had Williams alloys on it I don't think it was a Williams I think it was just a Clio 16 valve but either way, like Mark One Clio sixteen valve, um, two Mazda RX sevens, both Mark twos. I don't know what the 
model designation is, isn't it? FA, FB and FC, but either way, not the first generation ones, the second generation ones, not the really cool swoopy third generation ones, the second gen ones, mid nineties kind of, but two of them, obviously something the bloke was interested in and had been, uh, had been collecting. And uh, as I was there taking photos, I was thinking to myself, you know, if you were here, I bet you he knows exactly what those cars need. So you could come to a deal with him where you bought the car and paid for him to do the work to get it to a stage where you could drive it. And see, I love that kind of car because that way only the work gets done that you want to get done. If he comes to you and says it needs a new steering rack, that'll be 500 euro. You just do it. If he comes to you and says, you know, there's a crack in the spotlight and the headlight doesn't work, you say fix the headlight and don't care about the spotlight. You know, you build it your way, just like that E55 mm -hmm. I've got. The body's terrible still, but mm -hmm. mechanically it's great. And because it pulled to one side, I did all the rubbers, steering and suspension and tie rods and all of that. So it's tight as you as you like, which... I was thinking about that story I told on this pod a while ago about um, following that um, remake over Laurelie's Grey. Um, if I hadn't have spent all that money on the rubber at the front of the thing, I, there's no way that that Benz would be as as good as it is. I uh, yeah, never did. Never was I more grateful that I uh, that I'd spent that that I'd spent that money. So yeah, um, so. That was the one place I looked at. Other place I looked at was a closed Renault dealer. And uh, it had less interesting stuff. It had, did you remember um, the Peugeot 206 station wagon? The one that was like, it was like a little estate, but it was like a three-door estate. There was one of those that was completely sound. It had been hit on the rear corner. And it's obviously an asshole of a body repair and the car wasn't really worth it. And they just let it sit. There's one of those. There was a McGann convertible, which I didn't care about. But, you know, the era of folding hard tops. Yes, you're you're making a rude gesture to it. Yeah, I, I, I know I was getting carried away. What I did like was there was a green Renault Laguna. Now, not that era, that first era that you and I will, will remember, the, the Mark One Laguna. This was a Mark II. I never really seen one in super clapped out condition before with missing wheel caps. It looked great. It looked really okay. good. But it set me thinking about Renault Lagunas because I had that three litre 24 valve stick shift one that was really a great car. It really was a, a good car. Bit 90s and blobby and plasticky. Do you remember how slippy the leather was? I don't think I'd, uh, I don't think I'd still want it now. But as a contrast to a BMW 323, which was the other thing I could have had, like an early E36 323, it was faster, um, better yeah. equipped, more comfortable. It was just, you know, it was just a ton more car. And uh, and I don't regret that. I like Renault. I, I got, you know, you and I both have enjoyed our Renault products. They're, um, yeah. Um, and for that reason, I was just going to pay some homage to the BTCC Renault Laguna because I feel like they really... Our menu spec, are we talking here? Yeah, well, early yellow, early they were on, they were yellow, weren't they? 
and then later yeah. on they went to that nestle blend 37 and those Green era of cars that was like the era of super touring when they were able to get away with like extra wings and that kind of stuff and those blend that blend 37 williams built because they had williams build the cars those williams built um super touring lagunas those are, are just awesome i still think the clamshell bonnet the way the hood goes over the headlights in that clamshell i think that's a really great design feature yeah and, nice you know, touch i'm maybe i'm even saying this because i was watching a salvage rebuilds uk video the other day and they've been to a classic car auction and and the comment was at one point whilst looking at a green R-plate Renault Laguna in similar spec to your red pool car of uh, much abused red pool car of many years ago. Um, the comment was, well, I'm not even sure if that's a classic. And it does just go to show, it depends what your use pattern was. Because for me, we, we got so much use uh, of that red Laguna pool car, company pool car of yours, that uh, or of, of whatever software house it was you were working at at the time. Microsoft was training you were selling at that time, wasn't it? But yeah, whatever. Yeah, that yeah, Laguna, yeah. fully a classic car. And dude, the other thing that you ought to be bare mentioned here for the for the anyone who played with their playstations and Mega Drives and all that sort of stuff. Mega Drives later than that, but still, um, Toka touring car, Toka touring car, one of the bastardiest. Uh, time trials that you had to do it was one of the races you had to do for expert because obviously we used to invest as you know me and the Greek and various others used to invest significant time in thrashing around on our consoles um was in the rain on expert playing on at thruxton in the alan menu laguna um that seat that we were playing a season and the final race was to win that that race and it was a two race meeting and crane the, those the, the the curves out the back are oh, in the pissing church. rain yeah well church and then when yeah before and stuff those bits it's so high speed and one mistake and your side you're, you're spinning off towards the tire barriers in the distance and stuff it's yeah, yeah horrendous it, that but, that right, but... back section of thruxton is british club circuit at its very best and i was i was naive enough to think that culture existed everywhere it doesn't that's only britain um we really have a special thing with circuits like alton and donnington and thruxton and and these um yeah, cadwell i went to yeah, cadwell yeah. cadwell is they talk about it being like the Nürburgring of the North. My God, the the, it, it, the there's there's one turn that's like downhill, and then at the bottom of the hill, it's a left turn. So you're like heavy braking downhill, like a hell of a circuit for motorcycles. Yeah. That's the one you must have is, seen. Is, is that the one with the jump? Yeah, with the wheelie, yeah. where you can wheelie over it. Well, you can see the pictures of the sports bikes, like with the back foot 18 inches, the back wheel 18 inches off the yeah. ground. Yeah. yeah, you're actually yeah. a bit faster if you don't, lean on it yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't do stop that. them every meeting with some picture of a guy in full leathers looking as if he's straight out of a movie poster you know with I, it fully off the ground i actually saw a youtube i actually saw like a really clippy in my feed kind of thing of some bloke 
over egging it and the bike going up totally over the top of him like wheelie full wheelie and then throwing the bike Ouch. away <laughs> um the computer game reference is well timed we've been meaning to talk about ross chastain and his war running um ah. fill me in because you sent me the article and i deliberately didn't read it because i was like we'll talk about it on the pod fill me in with with what you know and because this was some time ago now wasn't it it was i mean basically i i can't remember where i saw it and, and obviously if anyone hasn't seen it feel free to youtube it up i mean it, it was ross chastain in the last race i think it was martinsville um i i don't know the, the circuit but it was an oval as you would expect but you know, you know the ovals can be complicated and he needed to gain it's the, the TLDR, as you said earlier in the pod, is, is he needs to gain five places. And he had essentially one long left-hander to do it. And he wasn't going to do it. So he'd been playing. He, he thought back to his days of, you know, Lord Cheedy McCheat. A classic, if you've played any of your uh, stock car stuff on um, on console of choice, is to pin it and uh wall run and um he was like well look i ain't making it into the fight the champ four if i don't come fifth <laughs> and uh, or fourth or whatever it was so i need to gain five places so he just on the last the last back straight just went out as close as he could to the wall gunned it um and of course nascar's being nascar's the way those things pick up pace and just kept it pinned and just took his hands off the steering wheel and let it wall run and gained all the places ended up running into the back of the guy over the start finish having just overtaken the bloke he needed to overtake and made it into the into the into the final five so nascar 2k5 i think on gamecube was his selection of choice uh, and that's where he learned it and uh much congratulations even from his fellow competitors who were like wtf did he just really pull that shit off and unfortunately nascar have said that although that stood they won't let anyone do it again they're not going to change the rules but they're gonna use existing rules to essentially disqualify you if you do it again which i mean i suppose i could see where they're coming from but on the other hand it is nascar um which encouraged rubbing his racing for years and it was the most exciting thing i've ever i've seen in nascar in forever so it depends what you think of the sports for i suppose i think i think it's about the most nascar thing ever to be like i'm behind so i'll try this crazy stunt because you know it worked it worked on a computer game it might just work in real life there's there's something very nascar and there's something very 21st century it's it's really yeah. uh uh maybe this is why i wanted to talk about it because it, it combines together this uh nascar pedal to the metal uh way of being with um yeah i i think it's a fabulous story i think it's 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 absolutely a legendary moment um i i you know i i i feel my whole life i want to shake ross chastain's hand for for that instant thought could you could you and you did like i that's yeah. that's what what that it paid me. off is perfect you know, he needed five places and he got five places he didn't get six got five yeah that was it yeah well what, what uh, a magnificent uh what a magnificent thing yeah 
Yeah, I, the, the notion of taking your hand off the steering wheel and just keeping your foot in the throttle is is really a, a thing. Yeah. Because yeah. I said to him afterwards in the interview, like, what did you think about it? And he was like, well, as I was doing it, I suddenly thought, what if there's like a little gap or what if there's like a door or like what if there's an access thing? Oh, shit. But it all, it all worked out. <laughs> high five to you sir that is so that is so nascar that you're committed before you're like well there could be this or there could be that (laughs) yeah it's like john mcginn is saying he doesn't like going around the tt course in a car because he's going slow going that slowly you notice things (laughs) obstacles and things that you don't notice at race speed yeah (laughs) so my uh time in france was uh spent with this fiat 500x which are they probably i've got one booked from bordeaux in a few weeks <laughs> oh you have oh well i've got a small hatch mini fiat 500 oh, Renault. You, you, you've, you've been doing the fiesta st you said you'd done the fiesta st to uh um uh, around uh to to goodwood there I, uh, I have been doing the Fiesta ST and I, I feel like driving the Fiesta ST for a little bit. I've like cleaned myself of the experience of the Fiat 500X. <laughs> um, now, the first thing I should say is that it has 120 horse and it actually does it all right. Does all right with that. Okay. It's better than you would anticipate for that. It's pulls beyond 90 miles now. You know, I don't want to encounter french mr plod that was enough for me the speedo the speed limit's 130 people do 150 ish it'll do that all day long fine we had four and five adults in it sometimes with luggage sometimes without at no point did it feel like too much and overborn and all of that it was a pretty new car it had like under 2000 kilometers on it like 1800 kilometers on it when i picked it up I had about 3500 on it when i dropped it off um I, I you know i wasn't gentle on it but i wasn't abusive um you know i had an alpha 147 years ago the albeit i used it on the target florio course but under gentle usage that thing developed noises and was clearly just shittily built like be candid um whereas um this this was this was not like that um you know i i feel like i have a fairly high tolerance for plastic interiors and sitting here now there's nothing wrong with the interior but you know i'm coming from a 20 year old mustang and and a fiesta st so you know i i uh you know it's uh, the infotainment, you know, we were looking for like, well, how long will it go before it runs out of gas? And it didn't seem to have that trip computer function there about it. But, you know, um, fundamentally, it just did the job and was all right. And, you know, I guess the transmission was fine. If it was if it was that bad to drive, I'd have had more to, to complain about. It just leaves you feeling a little bit underwhelmed and, and disappointed and, and uh you know, I reached out to that YouTuber Chops Garage. He has a black Jaguar XF three liter diesel sport. It was a one owner car that's done 160,000 miles, full Jaguar service history, black exterior, black wheels. Looks the absolute business. 
443 foot pounds of torque. I I couldn't help myself. I hit him up on Instagram, 3,600 pounds. And I'm like, ah, you know, I so would if I could really afford to piss money away. But I can't and the car, I wouldn't need it until if I was going to do Le Mans next year. So I'm like, ah, can't do that car. But in comparison to this Fiat 500, I was just thinking of that Jaguar the uh, the, the the whole time. I was obsessed by the that Renault Clear, the, by the, the Chamade, by the 1916 bow. It wasn't a Chamade, it was a hatchback. I was obsessed by that for a bit to the extent that I went on to a European website, like a European, what's it called? I'll, I'll look it up on my phone. But I went on to... Um, I went onto a website and like it's called Auto Scout Twenty Four. Like, that's apparently the place to look for cheap cars across Europe. I went on there. Um, there's there's half a dozen um, nineteen sixteen valves, and I was looking at them and thinking, you know what, you know maybe they're not as rare as I thought they were. Um, how much horsepower do you think they have? Do you think it had? Take a guess. Don't Google it. Just pull a number out of your ass. I don't know. I mean, the th- the thing that would have made it zippy would have been that it would have been light, yeah. Not that it would have had lots of well, horsepower. and and what we thought was we thought my Cortina, one point six with seventy five horsepower was pretty. Yeah, I, well, I, I was gonna guess eighty five or ninety about what my Cortina, my um, Sierra two liter had. Yeah, was was I think ninety one hundred and thirty five. God damn! It would have been meaningfully fast then. But, but next to your Fiesta, next to your Fiesta ST, this is the. I mean, but the it would have been quick. It would still be quick. I mean, like it would feel fun and fast and like rattle canny and therefore more intense. In the same way as like if you get in a go kart or on a motorbike or on a bit. Now I wish I now I wish I tried to buy it off him. Now you're making me wish I tried to buy it off him again. <laughs> but, I mean. But dude, I feel you on the uh, on the cars. I mean, I'll be annoyed in the little dirt box of whatever they give me anyway. But uh, I always want something of the country that I'm coming from. So I'm hoping yeah. whatever it is, it's French, not Italian. I'm hoping it's the Renault uh, or the Park or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I I, I was promised six promised me a Peugeot three hundred eight, and I was keen for that. And they had two hundred eights, but with hindsight, that would have been too small. That is the challenge, especially with like on en, en family, yeah. but like. Um, but I yeah, all, I mean, road, just... all road lead to that black Jaguar. I'm telling you. Well, uh, this is why when I was discussing the French thing with Angie, and I was like, Look, I can't bear coming back here regularly, which we will be, and having some shitty ass rental car all the time. And the solution to that is just keep the ST, because <laughs> the ST and have it here. And the ST wouldn't be much, it would be great in the south of France and near the Pyrenees Rose, but it's right, it's left, it's right hand drive. Yeah. I need a left hand drive. So, you know, have yeah. that here, you know, and um, yeah, it's Angie's car anyway, so yeah. she's fully familiar and comfortable and happy with it. So, therefore, I don't, I don't want to sell it anyway. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, and like, and, you know, and, and the values are gonna, the values are gonna turn. I, I, it is a five star classic. Yeah. I mean, I know you said on one of your tweets that I, you know, it's the car's fault. It's like slow. It's a Euro shitbox fast. It's sublime. And that is true. And it's not actually crap. You know, it's 
it, it like around town, it's just a normal hatchback car. It's just basically fine, comfortable, efficient, does everything. You know, good MPG. You know what I mean? Like pretty much everything you want. All the electric mod cons, all the bits and bobs. But you are not wrong that when you take it out and you go from doing three and a half thousand revs before you're shifting gear to six thousand revs before you're shifting gear and you're hustling it through the the sexy little six speed box god damn is it is it a beautiful chassis? The way the way when you turn in you come in the gas and it just hunkers down and as you pass the apex you like exit the turn with it being like what do you mean i could have gone through 20 miles an hour faster and you're thinking Pussy. This, yeah, is, exactly. this is unbelievable this is this is suddenly it's gone from being like a boring hatchback to being like a track car to being a car that can hang not just at the nurburgring at spa it can uh, like it can turn in at insane speeds and it feels good yeah. i passed um uh, at spa in the mcgann or the rs mcgann a first generation S, well, not first generation, but like the previous ST. So the little boxy sort of version of the previous version being hustled around, the pedaled around there at high high velocity. Um, I, passed him. Great time. I passed him and then let him repass because I realized I could learn from his lines. He had he was quick. Yeah, he had better lines than me. And that follow watching that because it was an English registered car, wasn't it? Following mm. that car around, I was thinking to myself, this could really it can really hang, you know, it really, I, it really, I was having to feather a little bit on the straights. That was all, you know, uh, yeah. to, to keep him, uh, to keep him ahead and learn his, uh, learn his lines. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So quick fire. What's your favorite car right now? Um, I do want one, as I say, I want one of these Alpha Quadrifolios. Um, that's quite looming large. And then I also, at the other end of the spectrum, when I was last, well, yeah, when I was down um, in France last, there was a sort of horrible coloured, I can't remember what it was, a sort of weird maroony brown Renault 21 Turbo that I quite coveted. Like my neighbour's ass. I quite coveted, coveted it. It was. It, it's. There's a German company that does. That we that when we were at the ring, you remember that there was that Audi that had been done by Stance Works, and the sort of the word the name says it all. It sat like a fucking boss like that. I don't particularly like the particular Audi. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but goddamn, it looked amazing. What they'd done with it with the rims and the stands and the kit and everything. Well, that twenty one sat roguishly at the side of the grey, and I passed it a couple of days in a row and thought. That is a cool car. I would have that. Yeah. I have a super soft spot for, I don't know what it is about Renault turbo cars. I have a super soft spot. Um, I love the 21 turbo. Um, I remember the launch commercial. The car was red. They used, I, I feel free. Do you remember that? It was, is it cream? um is it a cream sign that it, it is 175 horse black leather interior i actually have a search of them on on gumtree um it like pops in every now and again there's uh few in britain but yeah i'm sure more in france um also do you remember when we were at dhs years ago helen marden 
You remember that yeah. girl? I, I went with her and looked at a Renault 18 Turbo in... Was that the one where you dolled yourself up in suits and went as went to test drive it? No, that was a Sierra Cosworth. That was oh, the, yeah, I drove right. a Sierra Sapphire Cosworth with her, right? And we had this whole thing worked out where we acted like we were a young family. You know, it was really... <laughs> the Sapphire now is the bargain Cosworth. But that one that I sent you the pictures of at Goodwood, that was 60K. The RS500. Oh, the, the I, I, RS500s have entered stupid territory, haven't they? Um, the Sapphires, for me, what I drove, uh, F-plate, gunmetal, Sapphire two-wheel drive, for me, that is the car that, that I would, would want. And I tell myself yeah, that the Fiesta has about the same power as it had. I tell myself that. And then I was watching Salvage Rebuilds UK and they're at an auction. There is a grey early one there that until they opened the hood and it had all been cheesed up under the hood, um, you know, that car was, was, I don't give a shit if it's got a bad history. You know, those cars have bad histories. Were I a collector, I would have one. Were I, you know, were I able to bring, um, you know, proper resources to bear, I'd buy a nice example of it and you know i'd drive it you drive it it'd sit right it'd be in a storage place we'd have one we um oh dude well i mean if the if the crypto does go to the moon then um uh, we could go arms on one because they're not the the sapphires haven't left the building yet harry was at silverson's um classic auctions recently and there was one i think 20 to 30 20 to 25 the, it was a sapphire cosmo that's the one in pretty mint that's the one that's, yeah. that's the one that you, you'd want because you, mm. you, you know and and yeah you i would definitely go harvest <laughs> go harvest yeah yeah that. yeah the other thing is the other thing is when money's cheap to borrow again borrowing money to do something like that isn't so stupid because if you only pay off the interest so what the car's still going to be worth whatever you paid for it if not more than that should you ever need to part with it so there's interesting jiggery pokery you can do with nice classic cars with shitty ones yeah. not so much but we know well, that and that's the other reason i want the place in france i'll have space because but thrown in is the fact that you've probably got a two-car garage garage whatever you want to call it and the fact that you can pretty easily put a sort of wooden you know outside wallless kind of place in to get another sort of three or four cars in and and whilst you're at it probably dig an inspection pit in there as well so when I went with Helen to look at the 18 Turbo, it was mm -hmm. red. It had it was a Mark One. It had those straight wheels like your dad's. Remember your dad had that oh, yeah. Fuego GTX, and it had the same wheels on it. A Renault, absolute a piece of Renault design genius in my humble. Mm -hmm. When this yeah. this this 18 had lost drive shafts, which killed most of those cars, right? looking back such a silly thing to lose them for but it was a asshole job and devon mechanics weren't keen to work on the car when it had been moved to the breakers yard they'd craned it and they'd craned the roof and they pinched the roof so the roof was crushed in so this car was in the auto trader at 175 pounds and because the roof was crushed in I remember the guy saying to me, I couldn't sell you that car. Like that is not the car for you, mate. And 
oh man i wish i'd said to him no sir there are, there are many people in plymouth who can weld and can beat that straight i am confident in my own taste that one day many years from now people will say a red renault 18 turbo that is the pinnacle of radwood cool i too don't like red but i mean what uh talk about talk about one that should not have, have oh away. dude like well, i might have even mentioned before on this thing that that the angie's housemates renault 5 sort of dark silver turbo gt turbo that they had that i could have had off them for about 1800 quid and i just didn't i had two didn't have two brass farthings at the time to run together um but uh mark II, I would have liked it was a mark two wasn't it it wasn't it was like a second generation i remember the car like still yeah i mean you know yeah yeah, I remember that and feeling that because they were ten a penny at the time, it was frustrating. But you had to, but you had to let it go. Um, you know, the other car we looked at around about that period was that bloke who ran the bacon sandwich van near your office. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. Volvo seven forty turbo. Yeah. Those have come into their own, haven't they? And we didn't have it because it had been towing its whole life, and we were put off by that. Like as if we were also done like 180 K or something. As, yeah, as, if, as if we were put off by the fact that it was utterly clapped out. We were put Absolutely I, I was, fucked. Yeah. 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 Again, right. Yeah. Again, a tragedy that that one that I haven't got away. And we should do it. Well, that man made a fine bacon sandwich. Let me give him his due. Let's just pause. Right. And just almost have a moment's silence. Certainly from this side of the pond for that man's bacon sandwiches that volvo made noble sacrifice towing oh. the towing the wagon which turned out bacon sandwiches of that caliber. nothing complicated about them cut cut low it wasn't a cut loaf he had proper loaf and he sliced the doorsteps off with his with his with his knife give you a couple of nice bits of a fresh english white tin crusty tin sandwich there sir one piece of bacon in each half of the thing Nothing complicated, but it was thick cut from a local farm where he knew the bloke. And oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I I would I need an SUV because my son's got this motorcycle now, and you know pickups open. You live in San, Central San Francisco, of course. So, you need so obviously, I started out sensibly looking at Tahoes, and that rapidly right. degenerated onto government deals websites looking for okay. X please pursuit vehicle tahoes it's two-wheel drive with the motor you can um so i was looking at those and then, and then for, for a while but then i hit upon the most sensible suv i could possibly think of i've long wanted a amg 63 motor and previously i'd thought about e-classes or something like that but but why why not just wrap why not use this as the opportunity the suv as the opportunity to to get the 63 motor ml 63s early high mile ones they're only 10 or fifteen thousand dollars now what what could possibly go wrong what oh, oh nothing what could possibly go wrong with an old hot rod benz 
that looks like an SUV. Oh, nothing. I, I can't see as anything could cost you more than about Tubbs Haney to repair on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what with the fact that I have uh, my tame Mercedes mechanic, um, Hugh Winko, <laughs> total shout out, guy's a total legend and knows Mercedes. If you are in the Northern California area, Hugh Winko in San Francisco is uh, is your man for, for old Mercedes. With him on board, I'd do it. Whenever you yeah, say to him, I mean... uh, should I buy some old, scary, fast old Mercedes? Um, he always goes, hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see him. By buying himself another 15 like, years of custom. Yeah, well, exactly, right? I know that's what he's thinking, but I'm also not wanting to buy something that he doesn't want to work on. You know, you have to be by saying Anyway, so my favorite at the moment is the ML sixty three. Um, you own a chateau in France. What's in the stables? Because you know it's a chateau. It's a chateau. Not You've got loads of room. What's in there? Just tell me some of the stuff that's in there. I mean, not horses. Several several dirt bikes. Um, because I own now in a chateau and I've got land to ride around on. Um, I'd have a Delta Integrale before they've completely left the building. You can probably pick one up in France and they're all left hookers anyway, Color. so why not? Huh? Color white, nice, I think. Nice, gray wheel because then it would look extra cool with the spatters of dirt from the drive up it all the soul all the time. Yes, <laughs> um. Uh, and then at the moment, I'd do a 612 on a stick oh. for the international cruising. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would do uh, the bike, all of the sports bikes with like nice paving. Um, mm -hmm. I would do the most interesting vehicle I saw the whole time I was in France, this electric BMW moped. I really want one of those. I'd really love to to have one of those. So I'd have one of those in the in the chateau. Um I would do I feel like if you've got a place like that, um you uh, well, I don't know, I'd I'd be inclined to do yeah, your imagination runs wild. Um let me as uh, I see the time is is creeping on, um what is the most air you've ever gotten? What car, when, where, who, where, what, when, how? Either um, that two-litre cut new-edge styled Ford Focus that I had from Redstone, from Fastnet before it became Redstone and the bridge to Bramley, where if you jumped it one way, you might, if you were a, a hypothetical friend of mine, break a TT transaxle. Um, potentially, you know, that could happen theoretically. It didn't happen, obviously, because that wouldn't have happened to a company car with the Cisco rep sitting in the passenger seat with his head on the ceiling. Uh, that didn't happen, but it might have happened, but it didn't. But if that had happened, that bridge going the other way, I got about a foot, a foot and a bit. But I told my buddy, who I think is still at Cisco now, um, when he had his Westfield, when we were coming on the back roads to, uh, around um that place we lived at just south of uh reading what's it called um near the uh the common older marston older marston um 
the road south of there, there was a back road bridge. And I said to Stu, who was fully footing the floor of that little Westfield kit car that you think he had, um, he had his foot through the firewall. And I said to him as we approached the little bridge, over jump, meaning dude, slow down. And he thought I meant over jump, as in I was repeating things from Colin McRae rally. And it was a joke and uh, kept his foot in. And we went over the bridge at a rapid rate of knots. Um, and uh, I don't remember, I don't know how high we were, but it felt high. And I remember looking down through the windscreen at the front road and there was this horrible grinding. And when we stopped after bouncing a bit, um, Stu got out looking pretty worried. And uh, what it was, was he, we'd ground the front number plate against the road as he slid down it like that. And, we got, and the car was fine. No problem at all. <laughs> Just some, some artistic scuffs to the number plate. So I suspect that was probably the highest. So technically I was in the passenger seat for that. That is a good story. I'd never heard, uh, I'd never heard that one before. It makes, uh, stuff like that makes, uh, makes doing this, uh, this pod feel, uh, feel kind of worthwhile. <laughs> um, mine was at your wedding. Do you, or the stag do, do you oh, remember yeah. I had that Alfa Brera rental car? red 2.4 litre diesel manual and the yeah. house you were living in the rear seats. yeah yeah totally yeah <laughs> um the house you were living in at the time um just on the way out of the town like towards the a4 um there was mm -hmm. a humpback bridge wasn't there oh yeah and, i couldn't bridge just past you, the um if you've yeah. got the angle right if you sort of straight lined it which you could do at night because you could tell lights were yep. coming the other way if you straight lined it you could hit it really hard and living there being with you for a week or so i got used to driving that road and and i hit that bridge really hard and and it felt like it felt like i was the bloody dukes of hazard in that moment <laughs> right um really it, it was uh all right um the best race you ever saw um well, live, some of the stuff at Goodwood, various races has been utterly spectacular, especially at the end of the day on a Sunday where the sun's streaming through the trees on the other side of the track down towards Fordwater and stuff. It's just gorgeous. But some of the best races I watched, that race, I can't remember where it was, um, but it was in Italy where Rossi passed um, uh, Lorenzo at the last corner and lost the front and the back and caught them both. At a corner where it's not a passing place and won the race. That MotoGP race was one of the finest races I've ever watched. MotoGP features in actually for quite a lot of some of the best races I've ever seen. That race between Rossi and um, Stoner at Laguna Seca, where he went off into the gravel and it was just passed, passed, passed. The Ducati was faster and Rossi could pass him through the corners but couldn't hang with him down the straight. So Stone Casey would get him every time. And then, I mean, Rossi was knees and elbows and riding the curbs and everything. And it was a real shame that Stoner ran off into the gravel at the end of the lap, at the end of like lap 10 or 12 or something, because it spoiled the rest of the race. But uh, some of those races were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You've, uh, you've a good memory for the MotoGP races. Um, I think uh, I, I, you know, what comes to mind, we went to see British touring car in the epic period we were talking about the the lagunas and and uh i i feel like it to see that that was super close racing i can't remember a specific mm. race 
but that was probably the best the best racing that I've ever seen uh, uh, live. I mean, some of the stuff you remember Gabriella Tarquini in that um, that Alpha that he used to, that in the pissing rain he would accelerate his way back straight yeah. with the front wheel yeah. drive. Oh, yeah, tip of the hat. Yeah, God tier I, shit. I'm actually the it, the memory of those. The one five five touring car that thing? yeah. Yeah, well, that was the car that sort of broke touring car, wasn't it? It took them away from narrow body, narrow tire to being like crazy hot rods. The the, the cars really, really changed at that point. But um, yeah, my my memory is uh, um, Silverstone when it rained and we got stuck in the field. <laughs> yeah. In my Vectra, I just remember my company Vectra. And just being stuck in the field and just being like, this is such a Silverstone moment, but so insane. And just for the record, we weren't the ones who were stuck. It was people, the, the, the entrance of the field gets muddy and then people get their cars stuck pulling out of the field. So we weren't stuck. Other people got stuck. We just had to wait for the tractors to come to, to pull them out. But we didn't like leave the circuit till 11 o'clock at night or some kind of craziness, did we? It was totally like. Well, that happened to me on Metallica gig at Donington a few, um, some years later, and I just slept in the car and left the next morning. I didn't even, I just pulled on the handbrake where I was and just turned the car off and like other people pretty quickly to realize that I wasn't moving anymore and just drove around me. And I think we left at like 8 a.m. the next day <laughs> as a result directly of what happened at Silverstone. I thought, I'm not doing that shit again. I'm just going to check out of this as early as possible and accept I don't need to be anywhere until lunchtime tomorrow. I'm staying here. Good thinking. Good thinking. Best corner you ever stood at? I'll go first. Do you remember one day we decided to take a day off work and that we would follow the RAC rally in Wales? Yeah, I I was probably going to come to the same corner conclusions. And we were like, oh, we'll follow and we'll do this and we'll do that. And we hiked through the woods and we found that piece where we were standing, where when the first, like when the Colin McRae's and so on came through, they threw stones at us. And we made the great decision to cross the road, not realizing that there was a ditch on the inside. And we were like scrambling up the inside when Bruno Sabi came by like as far away as I, he must have been three feet away from us as we were struggling up the bank. Uh, what a, a yeah. moment in, in I remember standing there thinking I can't get out of the way here I'm just going to have to get out, get as far back as I can without falling down this ditch and he came past with the headlights on us and drifted past us within two or three yeah feet. yeah because before that you were canking and sprayed us with gravel that was why we moved thinking, oh wow I just got sprayed with it was like gravel. it was like yeah because we were still on the outside yeah so Sabi came through and I remember then we attained the top of the bank we were there for a little bit and then no other cars came through and we were like oh yeah ah and we walked up the track and then there was that subaru halfway down the cliff held in the cheese yeah 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 it rolled down the thing got stopped by the saplings didn't it and uh, rolled on down the hill yeah that was pretty intense i was also shitting myself well yeah because it was all dark always dark oh so dark wasn't it yeah yeah yeah. 
that's that's the the thing with maybe that's what's changed about motorsport is that that um there was a wildness about what could happen wasn't there and that made it um that made it attractive makes it yeah i mean we made some dumbass mistakes in terms of what we did for that but nevertheless um and also these days everyone's carrying a torch and a camera and a video recorder and a tracking device and all that sort of stuff on them which of course we didn't have well lucky we can tell the stories mark and that's a nice way to wrap it up isn't it because uh i'm going to end with a thought that you were talking about visiting um modena and uh you know ferrari is a interest is a guy full of interesting quotes and thoughts and so on and remember at the end ferrari's great fear was losing the memories that was the fear forgetting what was so uh yeah so on that note we've preserved what has been of our recent history mm -hmm. um see you next time take it easy bud This episode has been brought to you by Grand Touring Motorsports as part of our Motoring Podcast Network. For more episodes like this, tune in each week for more exciting and educational content from organizations like the Exotic Car Marketplace, the Motoring Historian, Brake Fix, and many others. If you'd like to support Grand Touring Motorsports and the Motoring Podcast Network, sign up for one of our many sponsorship tiers at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. Please note that the content, opinions, and materials presented and expressed in this episode are those of its creator, and this episode has been published with their consent. If you have any inquiries about this program, please contact the creators of this episode via email or social media, as mentioned in the episode.